You're listening to Wild Women, an intersectional feminist-focused radio show. I'm your host, Lux karpov Kinraid, USA Today bestselling author, screenwriter, director, and voiceover actor. Tonight, we'll be talking to three incredible women who are shaking things up in their respective corners of the internet. First up, K.M. Robinson, best-selling author, influencer, and businesswoman, will share her secrets to running multiple businesses, keeping up on social media, and behind the scenes of being an influencer. Then we'll chat with Kimberly Graham, financial coach who got her own family out of debt and now helps others do the same. And finally, Randy Shover, TikTok sensation who claps back against misogyny, racism, and more, while also empowering women through her own journey. We are here with K.M. Robinson, a dear friend who is also one of the most amazing social media influencers in so many different fields, an internationally best-selling author, but also you've created like entire businesses out of your branding, out of your social media platforms, out of everything you do. Can you tell us a little bit more about your online platform, what you do, and how you do it? Absolutely. I help online entrepreneurs to build up their social media presence to be more profitable without spending extra time on it. I take that time commitment out of working on social media so they can get back to what they love doing, running their business and living their best lives. So I teach on how to use TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and live streaming. I teach people the tools and resources they need to save time and effort to create higher quality content to build conversation and community. I'm also a multi-time best-selling fiction author. And then I do a lot of influencing in this space as well. So I'm working with different companies, different tech companies, different SaaS companies to help them grow their platforms as well. And I get paid to market them too. So I've got a whole host of information I can share. And you've been doing this for how long? I started my photography business straight out of college in 2010. So it has been a hot minute. And from there, it evolved into teaching education, marketing, social media, all of those things. So over a decade, I have been officially in this space. What are you most excited about right now in your business that you can speak about publicly? <laughs> Right now, I'm heavily studying the world of Web3 and NFTs. I am looking into some new ways of content creation. So I'm learning things like how to create videos even better than I'm already doing it. I'm learning how to do drones. I'm learning how to level up some of the tech that I'm working on. I'm working with a lot of software companies on things that can help entrepreneurs. So I'm heavily investing my time into things that will enhance my future and allow me and my business to produce content and to produce revenue in a much more effective way. And you're also doing huge things on TikTok. I know that you've also gotten some, I know that the the recent Lifetime movie, uh, the sequel to Flowers in the Attic, attic. they they got you involved. And can you talk about some of the promo you've been doing for Lifetime and some of the things that you've been, if you're able to share? Absolutely. So on my TikTok channel, I do have over 27,000 followers. A lot of my videos get a ton of hits. And I've been able to work with a lot of different companies, everything from working with authors to promote their books to companies like technology and software companies, all the way to the Lifetime Network. And so with that in mind, I am then able to make sponsored content or brand deal content on their behalf. Recently, Lifetime reached out to me because they have the um, origins of the Flower in the Attic series, and they wanted me to promote it to my bookish audience. And so I've been able to work with them on two different commercials, the first of which is out on my platform right now. The next is coming out soon. 
And we're kind of just going through the process of how can we best market this to my audience to get eyes on their limited series over on the channel. And so I've had the opportunity to work with some really cool companies and just kind of go back and forth to create this branded content for them to then result in massive sales for a lot of the authors and the companies, eyes on these movies, all sorts of fun things. That's so exciting. I mean, in addition to the fact that you're getting you know, paid to do this, what are some of the fun, most fun perks you've gotten? from being a social media influencer? We oftentimes get to see things before other people. So when I work with tech companies a lot, I will get features and programs before anybody else. I get to work with the developmental teams to actually decide what to do next and to add in new features to different programs and then to then troubleshoot them and test them out. And so I get access to things very early. When it comes to promoting things like books or movies, I'll get access early and I'll get to actually test things out and try things out so that I can speak on them in an effective way. And then when you're doing things like traveling or you're working with local companies or companies you can get to on a an actual physical level, you get to go and experience these things and you're paid to do so. So I absolutely love working with companies that I can go test things out on, stay on free trips. All of those great things all are part of influencing on social media. You actually had a really fun uh, TikTok series that was a Peter Pan retelling. Um, that was kind of when I was newish on TikTok and seeing how TikTok could be used in these different collaborative ways was really fun. One of the things that TikTok is really good for is entertaining content. And so while we want to be marketing what we're doing and having conversations and answering questions, making sure we have some entertainment on our platform is really, really helpful. And so I collaborated with a handful of professional mermaids and a handful of professional cosplayers, and I wrote a script for TikTok. It was a series of several episodes where we told the twisted tale of the mermaids of the Neverland Lagoon. We learned that Peter Pan was actually a terrible villain and he was in danger. And unfortunately, as Wendy entered the picture, she turned into something very, very bad that the mermaids had to fight against. And so I pulled in all these incredible actors to portray these different mermaids. We had a script. We were able to film in our own locations because this was in the middle of the pandemic. And they yeah. sent me their footage. I then edited it together. I made it look like we were under the sea. And then throughout a series of episodes, we dropped every single day for two weeks. We had the ability to tell this story in an ongoing capacity. It was a really cool experience for everybody involved. It seemed to me the pandemic really drew out a lot of very creative entrepreneurial ways of utilizing TikTok to create things like the Bridgerton musical. And before that, there was the other musical, I think that uh, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't remember which one, but like there was like all these really big things that happened, your story that happened and, and a lot of creators that really got big over the, during the pandemic as people were home and trying to figure out how to entertain themselves and other people uh, during that time. Do you think that that is going to continue? Like what is your prediction for the future of TikTok specifically uh, since we're talking about that, but also just social media in general and how people engage with it and how people who want to create for that can. Well, during the pandemic, we did see the rise of video content creation because people were at home 
they had time, they were bored, they wanted to create things, and they wanted to consume things. And so we did see a lot of growth on TikTok in general, but also within the creatorship of the app. We saw a lot of people flourish and get very, very creative. And that's something that is ongoing. We are seeing people innovate and twist things because from the very beginning of this, the entire goal was to innovate, was to take something we understood and knew and change it into something better. So even with these trends, we see people doing the trends and then we see people twisting the trends and making it a step up and elevating it just a little bit. So as we're continuing through with social media in general, we're seeing a strong leaning toward vertical based video content in the short form under 60 seconds long. The shorter, the better. If you can make a seven second video, you're going to perform better than a 30 second video. And so as people are progressing with this, we're seeing a lot of education we're seeing a lot of instructional content. Right now, Instagram and TikTok are heavily leaning into instructional-based content, step-by-step of how to do things. We're seeing a lot of that educational content where we're learning about things. They're bringing in entrepreneurs and businesses. So not only do we have the creative and the entertaining, but we have the business side of things. So we're seeing platforms just grow and expand incredibly because people are showing up and engaging with their audiences. And because we have that creative element to it now, entrepreneurs can now add in this creative element so that they can be on par with the really creative video people and compete for that time and effort. And people scrolling through the apps will stop to watch these more creative type videos. So we will continue to see a lot of entrepreneurship grow very, very strongly on these platforms and the ones that innovate and get creative and try new things and are willing to put themselves out there and are developing community and conversation are the ones that are going to skyrocket their businesses. I myself have 7 x my book sales in one single month on TikTok just from showing up. And that is going to continue to grow and flourish. And we're seeing Instagram sway this way. We're seeing YouTube sway this way. All the social platforms are moving heavily toward really inventive video vertical short form content. I have been thinking a lot, probably more than I need to be right now, specifically about how to start creating content for what's going to be coming with Web3 and virtual reality. And I know you've been putting some thought into this, so share your thoughts about this if you would. (laughs) I absolutely love the Web3 space. So if you're brand new to this, Web3 is the next iteration of the internet. Right now we're operating in Web2 and inside of Web2, we do not own our own content. Facebook owns it or Instagram owns it. And it's not saying that they own our content, but we don't have access to our followers. We can't contact them in any other way except through the platform. Our information does not translate from one platform over to the next. In Web3, it's more about ownership. So we have the ability to own our content and take it with us. So for example, If you play video games and you buy a virtual sword in one of your games, it's right now stuck inside of that game. You can't take it outside of that game. But in the Web3 space, you can take that to a different game. Your information is going to follow you. So it's more about ownership of what you're doing on the Internet and the ability to monetize that information. And we have the really cool ability to right now be working in this space and to then be able 
to decide how that's going to work in the future. So there's a lot of things going on inside of the Web3 space right now, and the vast majority of us will be operating in this Web3 space over the next couple of years. Right now, it's a much smaller group of people who are then getting to dictate what is going to happen. So we're working in this space to create some really cool new things like the metaverse, where we're going to see things translating from one place to the next and the ownership of that information. And right now, one of the big conversations is NFTs. And non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, are really cool opportunities for entrepreneurs or non-entrepreneurs to be engaging with their communities, to be offering some really cool value, and to be making money. Now, inside of the Web3 space, we have the opportunity to have a monetary overview that is not specific to banks. So we do not have to rely on a bank to tell us how much money is in our account or to give us access to it. It is overseen by the entire internet. So there's a lot more accountability and a lot more freedom inside of this. So NFTs are tied into that so that we can create these NFTs, which are digital representations of whatever it is we're creating. And those things then have different values attached to them. So you may buy an NFT that gets you into a conference, or you could buy an NFT that gets you a free dinner at a local restaurant once a month. You could get an NFT that helps you to own part of a movie or part of a book or part of a TV show so that people can now create their music without needing a record label to fund everything because they can do it themselves. So NFTs have great implications on what we're going to be doing in the world of entrepreneurship over the next couple of years. And I am loving studying it and being able to start implementing it now because if you get in on these things early, you get to dictate how it's going to work in the future. That's very cool. Do you think that virtual reality to the level that uh... – uh, we see in like Ready Player One and Sword Art Online. Uh, do you think that's going to exist in our lifetime and be a part of this Web 3? Or is that like Web 20? <laughs> what version of like full <laughs> VR is that? Well, you know, they're working very strongly toward it right now because the big overall goal for a lot of these companies is to create a space where we can interact virtually. We actually want an immersive space where we can meet, even if we're living on another side of the world, and go do experiences together. So right now, they're looking at things like allowing you and I on opposite sides of the country to meet in a virtual space and go to a museum together and have conversations and hang out and actually get to experience this in a really cool potentially 3D immersive realm. And so we are going to start seeing this inside of Web3. We're starting to see it now. And as the internet continues to grow, and as this continues to grow, we're going to see iterations that come closer and closer together to some of these, what we once thought were futuristic things that wouldn't happen for a very long time. Now, the internet's moving very quickly. This whole Web3 thing is happening very fast right now, even though it's been happening for several years before the general public started finding out about it. So we're going to see a lot of different iterations of this, and we're definitely going to see a much more immersive internet for sure in our lifetime, likely within the next couple of years. That is incredible. Wow. Well, thank you so much, KM. This has been an amazing interview and uh, I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. You are one of my favorite wild women just out there slaying it in every way possible. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to just talk about briefly or anything else you want to say about some upcoming projects or anything you, where people can find you online if they want to engage with you? 
you can come hang out with me at kmrobinson.com for all things social media marketing education. That will kick you out to Livestream Action Plan and IG Reels for Business, where I'm helping you by giving you scripts so that you only have to fill in a couple of blanks, film your content, and get it out there. You can come hang out at youtube.com slash kmrobinson for tons of daily free tutorials on how to level up your online business. And you can hang out at KM Robinson Books for all things fiction. And you can check out my really cool new thrillers that I am working on right now that I'm not telling people too much about, but are coming out in the not too distant future. Oh, exciting. And I know this is a whole conversation in and of itself, but any last minute tips for any young women who are looking to get into this game and maybe not know where to start? Now is the time to jump in. If you have a business that you want to create or a brand that you want to create, now is the time to start researching. Get on YouTube. Get on Google. Get on TikTok. We're giving you tons of free education on how you can be doing this. So if you're trying to start a brand, come hang out with me. 90% of what I do is absolutely free for you to learn and grow. And I am bringing in so many amazing entrepreneurs to help educate you as well. But there is nothing better than the University of Google, the University of YouTube, the University of TikTok, where people are highly educating in this. And then you want to make sure that you are making friends inside of the industry who have gone the path before you, who can help you to navigate some of those pitfalls. And you can learn from their business and their experience so that you can jump ahead of the line a little bit and skip some of those pitfalls. Thank you so much, Kay Robinson, international bestselling author and social media influencer. It's been a great uh, afternoon speaking with you, and we are so glad to have you on this show. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for having me. listening to Wild Women, an intersectional feminist-focused radio show. I'm Lux Karpovkin-Raid, your host, and that was K.M. Robinson, internationally best-selling author and social media influencer, talking about how to level up your online presence and what's to come in the online world. Up next, I'm talking with Kimberly Graham about personal finances, how to survive a pandemic, and how to get out of the capitalist rat race for good. I am talking with Kimberly Graham, who is a finance coach, um, and I've seen you everywhere online these days, <laughs> just talking, especially empowering women and families and people to become more, uh, well, how would you describe it? It's your business. Tell yeah. me about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that I definitely work with uh, a lot of female entrepreneurs and their families, um, making sure that they have an understanding of their finances um, in their business, but especially in their 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 family understanding of their finances, because I think that a lot of women 
um, go into business hoping to be like that six figure boss babe. We love to talk and throw around that phrasing. Um, but yeah, it's more than just getting a really cute handbag or going on an amazing vacation, but it's bigger than that. It's also making sure that you mm-hmm. are organizing yourself financially so that you can feel what I coined the term financially fearless in any situation that comes up. One of the things that I was thinking about when we were just prepping for this interview and I was looking at what you do um, is in addition to empowering women in just their business and everyday lives, because that's great and needs to happen. It also occurred to me that this is really empowering for women that literally could save their life if they're in a relationship where they don't have any control over their finances and it's an abusive relationship. Um, Or even if they do have control over their finances, but they don't, but they're financially insecure and can't leave. And I was in a a long abusive relationship like that. And part of the reason that it took so long to leave was because of the money. Yeah. And so what you're doing, I was thinking about that today, like how powerful it felt to me personally, what you're doing Yeah. to make sure that every, every person and every woman has that, that ability, ability. right? I, and so funny because I've actually had several clients who have said that very same thing to me. And that wasn't something that I ever thought I never, I, I love to ask this question. So I feel like this will be really good for listeners to think through as they're like listening to the stories that we're sharing. I always ask the question, like name one thing that money doesn't touch. And you're going to be hard pressed to find lots of things that money cannot influence, permeate, you know, like make better or make worse. Right. But if you tell me something that money can touch, there's it's it's infinite. There's so much that money can can influence. And the fact that we don't take control over what we are personally bringing in and we don't take better care of it is a disservice to ourselves. Right. But a lot of times I've actually met with several people, several females who have gotten out of a relationship and they said, oh my goodness, it's because of what you've taught, I was able to get out sooner. I was able to recognize the financial abuse. Mm. I was able to recognize that this wasn't what I needed in my relationship and I got out and I had funds ready to go. Like I started saving. I started like in this particular circumstance, they already had, they they were really hard about like putting their money together anyway. And it was like, you know, he was kind of sabotaging um, some of their tra- mm. financial like uh, agenda, like she wanted to save more, she wanted to boost her business and do all these things. And he just kept getting in the way of making sure that happened. Um, in so many different ways that were very like under the radar. And it, he would just always say, Oh, mm-hmm. well, it just didn't work out for me, or this is too much. Or why are we even talking to somebody else about this? Like, very like planting those seeds of doubt in her. But she still kept saving, she still kept build- building her business. And when she recognized what was going on in other realms, of their marriage, she was like, yeah, I need to get out. And she was able to restart on her own a lot smoother than if she was depending on him to take care of all the finances, which is a huge thing that I talk about often. We, we can't always leave it to our male counterparts or our, our spouse to take care of all of our finances. Can you talk a little bit more about what do you think, what do you think the resistance is for, and I don't want to say all of them, because I know a lot of women who are amazing with money and who are, you know, slaying that. Mm-hmm. And and I see more and more women talking about money and management and investing and wealth building on Instagram and everywhere. I don't know if it's just happening more or if my algorithms are really well trained, but I'm seeing a lot of it. But what do you think is still standing in the way for a lot of women? That's a really good question. And I think the reason why women are starting to like own up, I guess, in this field, because I do see a lot more female um, like finance women, I guess, is because we're recognizing that we have power in this this field. Um, we've been taught that it's a male dominated field, right? Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> you know, name any time that we see like 
you know, what's her face? Beaver. The well, I don't even know her, her first name, but you know what I'm saying? Like, leave it to Beaver, like his mom. Like, we're all at home. We're taking oh, care yeah. of our kids. The men bring home the bacon. And we just hope that everything goes well. Like, that's what we've been taught as females growing up. Like, that's what's in our psyche. That's what's in our environment. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of females are like in this like realm of like, well, you take care of it. Like, that's what happens. Or that the male, like, because we assume, right, that's what's supposed to happen. The male's like, no, you're home with the kids. You take care of groceries. You take care of it. I'm just making the money and that's my job. So then that becomes the female's job. And then there's an extra amount of like overwhelm because you're like, well, then what do I do with Mm -hmm. it? I want to make sure I'm doing it right because I'm not bringing anything. This is in quotations. I'm not bringing anything Mm -hmm. to the table. (laughs) This is not a value. So Right? Like I, uh, I just like, can we just pause and say, oh, <laughs> because that I'm so tired of unpaid labor being mm-hmm. minimized as nothing. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the mentality. Sorry to interrupt, but I no. have to just ugh that. <laughs> yeah, because I, this is the thing, though. It's so it happens all the time. I meet so many women who are like, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can invest in understanding our finances because I'm not the one bringing anything to the table. And I'm like, oh, no, honey, but you are like. You are bringing, bringing the whole table and you're, everything that's on the table. Literally, <laughs> you, if you're the person, cleaning the table afterwards, legit cleaning up the, the feces <laughs> off of the kids and like off yourself and <laughs> making sure the house is clean. Like you do a lot, and so you deserve to understand what's coming home, where it's going, so that you can actually live the life that you want to live. What are some tips that you can offer listeners about how to navigate through this if they're at, like at the end of their rope, which I think a lot of us are yeah. at the very end of our COVID rope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just frayed. I think I'm not. Okay. So I'm going to get a little doom and gloom for a hot second, but then I'm going to get to the positive side because, because I think, I think we know what we need to do. I think I've dealt with so much of like people saying, oh, what's a tip or what's a trick? Or we've, we've heard the tips and tricks for decades. This is not new. If you are definitely um, in your 20s and 30s, definitely in your 30s, if you or, or, or more than that, right? Like if you've been on this earth, you have heard, <laughs> uh, if you have heard the money tips and tricks, right? Live below your means, know where your money is going you know, meal plan, like you've heard all the things. Track your spending. Track your spending. Like you could rattle off to me all the things that you should do. What should be in your savings account? You know all the things you need to do. California, you know, (laughs) the whole US, you know what you need to do. It's just that we don't do it because there's so much of the mindset and we are- Let me tell you. (laughs) Here's So that's the doom and gloom part. But here's the thing that we have to, here's my tips and trick. You need to really take a deep dive at your mindset, your money mindset. What money lies, and I'm going to call them lies because they're not truths. Are you telling yourself, I'll never be able to make enough. There's never enough for me. It's because of COVID. It's because of inflation. It's because of these things. Honey, you were in this situation five, six years ago and you had money. So don't blame it on the, you can't, you can't always blame it on that. And I'm not saying that people don't have out, like outlying circumstances. There's health things, of course, like. I know that. But what I'm saying is like, you need to, instead of saying, oh, if only I had what I had back then, I would have been doing so much better. Stop that mess. This is where you are right now. (laughs) Take the bull by the horns, look yourself in the mirror and say, we need to do better than this. I need to understand where my money is going. If if we're going to continue to go through more inflation, if we're going to continue to go through another crisis and everything... I need to take control of this now. So if I need to get another job, I need to get another job. Am I going to be exhausted? Yeah, I am. (laughs) 
I might need to change the way we're eating. It's going to suck. Yep, it is. But I know that this is not the end. This is me taking the first step to understanding where my money is going so that I can build a better life for my family and myself and my psyche. Like we have to, I, I always equate it to, especially since we're talking to females, right? When we birth children, we are not ready for that. We are not ready for the pain that we're going to endure, right? Even when no. they put the baby on your chest, you're like, what the heck did I get myself into? When I had my second, it all flooded back to me. And I was crying, not because I had a beautiful baby on my chest, but because I recognized how much work this was going to be to do it all over again. Like, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But we still do it, right? I had we a very work- similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like we have to equate that, like, I have to trudge through this and do the thing because I know I'm worth more. I know I can do better. Um, It really comes down to your mindset. I know that's probably not the tips and trick you were expecting, but that's kind of why I do what I do. I'm not going to tell you what you expect. (laughs) No, and that's, I mean, that's why I invited you on the show, to be honest, because I do follow you and see your work and have engaged with you. Um, And that's what I really appreciate about what you are bringing to this discussion. Mm -hmm. I, it, it really is about the mindset. One of the things that I, this is a little, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so this, okay. but I'm just, do you have any feelings like just about capitalism in general? Because we just talked about how money touches every aspect of our life. And while that is true, I that's also really depressing to me. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like feeling like I have to hustle constantly to have our basic needs met. Exactly. It feels, does not feel like freedom. Mm-hmm. It does not feel like, you know, and so... How, like, mm-hmm. is there a way out of that capitalistic mm-hmm. rat race? And is it just making more money? Do we have to play the game to win the to, to beat the game? Like, what is the how do we survive this mentally when we're when I, I know that I'm not alone and feeling like I just want to go like off grid, but yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> my mom I'm right not, now, I'm not equipped for that. <laughs> my mom literally right now is like, we're just going to get a plot of land and we're just going to live there all together. And I'm going to learn how to plant things and we're just going to make it happen. And I'm like, okay, mom, have fun with that. Um, yes. I am feeling your mom's vibe right I, now. Legit, Tell your mom to call me. <laughs> legit. Like I'm, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, we all have different things uh, that we can bring to the marketplace. Right. So, um, I'll tell you, I think my story is going to help with this. Cause I know I haven't like said that mm-hmm. yet, but like so yes. when I got married, it wasn't my debt that my he- that that uh, got me into this. In fact, uh, going back to what you said before about like women and how we feel about finances, I don't like math. Math, I have math anxiety. Like, whoa, it was never the thing that I was like, I love math and I can't wait to do <clears throat> engineering. Like, I nope, I'm no, I don't like Give me math. that quadratic equation. <laughs> so, no, I hate math, <laughs> and I also hated numbers and anything num- anything mm. money wise made me shudder. In fact, so much so that I kind of did, there's two like extremes. There's the extreme saver um, or there's the extreme spender. I'd rather let it go so then money doesn't touch me um, and I don't have to worry about it. I'm always like, oh, I don't have any money. Or I would prefer to be a person who is hoarding money constantly and and kind of kind of has the, the stingy or whatever. I was the hoarder, but I did spend money. But if it got to a certain point, I was like, nope, batting all the hatches down. I don't want to touch it, right? So I already had a pretty, like I didn't have debt but I didn't have a healthy mindset with my money. Enter my husband who had $76,000 worth of student loans bringing into the marriage. I went in a spiral. I will not live this way <laughs> because now all of a sudden- Like, no, no, sir. <laughs> no, I'm like freaking out. And the thing is he didn't know about it either. They were private loans, but like, um, but then we, I, all I saw was all of my dreams 
trembling around me. I want the house. I want the kids. I want, I want the life. I want to be able to have the choice to stay home. I want to be able to blah, 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 blah. Um, so I recognize that I had two choices or we both had two choices because we did this together. Um, own it, own it, take the bull by the horns, get rid of it, understand my money or be scared of it and live. This is what everyone told me. So you talked about the rat race. Everyone told me, oh, student loans are just a way of the world. You're just going to have to get used to it. Get a credit card. Mm. You still are going to be able to get a car. You're still going to be able to get the house. It's just going to be on loans. This is a part of life. That lie is why we're stuck in the rat race. That lie mm. is why we're stuck in capitalism. That's what people have told us. That's what they told us as two 20-something-year-olds going into life. That's what they told us. And I did not buy it. That's that's the first step. Don't buy it. Like, I was like, no, that doesn't- Literally don't buy it. <laughs> literally don't buy it. I was like, no, I kind of want to call the own shot, my own shots with my money. Like, I want to have the choice yeah. because I gave myself the choice. Nobody else is going to do it for me. I'm not going to depend on a loan. I'm not going to depend on borrowing more money to get to the place I want to be, to become that millionaire that I want to be, to have the business. Millionaire isn't really like the, the, the goal. I don't think it's the goal for anyone. It's the life to have freedom of time and freedom of choice. Yeah, exactly. And so when you are telling your money where to go, and you are building that life for yourself. It's kind of like you building, uh, have you seen, like the three little pigs. <laughs> it's like you're building yeah. your house of bricks and saying, this right. is my money. And I am investing it in places that I know I will get return. And I am saving my own money. And I'm putting it in places where I don't, nobody else tells me what to do with my money except me. The more people, the more businesses, the more corporations that are chained to me telling me what to do with my money, that I owe them every single month no thank you right so the only yeah. debt that i have is my mortgage which is building the equity but we're about to pay off our house so i don't owe anybody and as mm -hmm. soon as you get to that point where you don't owe anybody and you stand firm and you are again fearless in that feeling of not owing anybody that's when you get out of the rat race that's when it's not just i need more money it's i'm going to get more money sure for the, but I'm going to keep those goals in front of me. I am using this as a way for me to get out of that debt so that I can get out of the rat race. That's why you see so many people in the last year selling their homes, selling, like getting rid of their jobs and just working as a nomad because they have choice. Yeah. They have the cash flow to do that. Can we talk briefly about investments? Because this is not something growing up that I ever was exposed to. No one ever Same. talked about investments. My family, my church, my whole environment. I never even like heard the word mm -hmm. and it's still fairly foreign to me though. I've learned a lot more in the last few years and I'm becoming more literate about it. Like, how do you start with someone who just doesn't know anything? Yes. <laughs> and why so, do you think that's important? Investing is crazy important. Um, I meet a myriad of people, some who are like, I make six figures, therefore I don't ever have to worry about anything. Um, or I make a million. <laughs> I haven't met a person who makes a million yet, but I've, met people who have invested in like created a million. I think it's important, first of all, this is a, a common thing that people don't know. A millionaire is not made by having a million dollars, like making a million dollars. A millionaire is made by having a net worth of a million. So their assets, meaning the things that they own. So if they own a house, majority of their house, if they own their car outright, if they own property, all of that added up, plus like your salary and all that good stuff, what's in your savings account, what's in your investments, that subtracted by the debt, the liabilities, the stuff that you owe. Mm -hmm. If you get to a million, that is millionaire. 
just so people know that because I feel like that's a tidbit that a lot that's of people. That's a great clarification. Yeah, that's a tidbit yeah, that people no, don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so how do we get to that millionaire status so that we can truly feel free? You can feel free before that, but you can truly be like, I am creating a legacy for my family and all that stuff. Um, you have to build your assets. And part of that is through investments. So what I would tell people to do first is make sure that your basics of understanding your finances are strong. That's what I help people with. I don't help people with starting to invest. I'm not a financial advisor. I help them with like the personal finance to make sure all of that is squared away. You feel good about it. And then it's easy to start um, routinely, consistently give to your investments. So there's lots of different ways that you can invest. If you have an employer, um, I tell people to take advantage of that as much as you possibly can. So if you have a 401k, a match program, take advantage of that because that's a really great way for a lot of people to create their first million just by doing that. The other part, if you are a self-employed, um, which a lot of my clients are female entrepreneurs making good money, but they're like, what the heck do I do with it? <laughs> um, what I tell them to do is to start with a Roth IRA. And so let me back up. All of these things can be found through a bank. They can be found through, in fact, a really great resource for your listeners is bankrate.com, which is, it just kind of compares banks for you. And it gives you that information of like, where do I go oh, to even great. start investing? So you start with like a, a bank or whatever that has a mutual fund or that has a Roth IRA and you simply create an account, start putting money into it consistently as if it's a bill and you choose what stocks you want it to go through and it walks you through all of that. But honestly, like mutual funds are the way to go. You just let it go on automate and then you watch your money grow. It's very simple and boring. <laughs> Uh, but it's I like simple and boring yeah. when it comes to money. Yes, it's so simple and boring. I don't need excitement. No, nope, no excitement needed. And so that's all you do there. And so if you start even with $50, you're better off doing that than overwhelming yourself with like, like, how am I going to have so much at retirement? But you're sitting there not starting. It's like you're looking around at a messy room and you don't know where to start. Just start picking up stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So even yeah. if you start by saying I'm automatically every 20 every month, I'm putting $25 into a Roth. Great. That's a great place to start. Just go back and like make sure that you're exponentially like building it as you start getting more comfortable with your finances. Um, other things that are really great for business owners is a SEP IRA. So after you max out your Roth because you can't give too much every single year, then you can go to a SEP IRA. There's there's so much extra with that. If you're a self-employer, you can start employing your kids. You can actually pay them and it's taxed like it's not taxed and you can actually help them build their legacy from the moment they're of age to work just by doing that. So there's so many avenues of wealth building. The first step, understand where your money is going, period. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Kimberly Graham, financial coach. And thank you again so much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You are listening to Wild Women on KZYX, and I'm Lux Karpov-Kinraid, your host. We just spoke with Kimberly Graham about personal finances and what we need to change in order to become financially free. You can reach out to her at kg at kgfinancialcoach.com, check out her website at kgfinancialcoach.com, or find her on all of her social media platforms under the username kgfinancialcoach. Next, I'm speaking with Randy Shover, a woman who is using her social media platform to speak out against misogyny, racism, and systemic abuse while sharing her own empowering journey. I first discovered Randy when I was on TikTok and her profile kept 
coming up again and again, featuring a lot of content that focuses on women's issues, feminism, um, women empowerment. Randy, thank you so much for joining us on Wild Women today. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So how, backstory, how did you get started on TikTok and why this? Why, why did you decide to focus on women's issues and feminism as, as your main content? Yeah, so I'm coming up on my one year TikTok anniversary. Um, I started on in August 2021 and my initial intent was, you know, I had been married for 16 years. I got divorced in my late 30s. Um, you know, thrust into the world of online dating as, you know, an older, you know, woman. Um, and the last time I dated, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it, it, it's been horrifying for sure. Um, and so the last time I dated, you know, I was like 20 years old and cell phones really didn't exist then, um, which is, feels, you know, dating me, I'm 44 <laughs> now, but anyway, you know, it was just a totally different world. You know, if somebody's like, send me your nudes back then, you'd have to like take a Polaroid and mail it to them. And so <laughs> it was just like leaping into this online dating world was so bizarre. I learned a lot. I made a ton of mistakes. I learned a lot about myself. I mostly learned about the types of men I do not want to date or have anything to do with. I had some traumatizing experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm good, you know, bad, ugly. And so I initially started TikTok to really focus on being a, you know, a woman over the age of, you know, 35 that maybe spent most of their life in a relationship and is starting over. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started. And I've always been very passionate about like female empowerment and, and you know, women's issues and feminism. I've gotten more, um, you know, that's become a, a, a much bigger focus in my life as I've gotten older. And, uh, and so, it what it kind of naturally evolved into that space when um, the men started getting real mad on TikTok about my content. <laughs> mm. So is that when of, your your page kind of blew up because you have a lot of followers? Yeah. yeah did it blow yeah. up when the men got mad, or did it did it blow up before that and then they got mad? Yeah, kind of both. Um, you know, mm. my very first TikTok is so embarrassing. Um, it's, you know, I didn't even know that you could like pause and keep recording. I just like tried to blitz through like an entire minute of talking and I probably recorded it like 30 times before I finally stopped <laughs> making mistakes. Um, I was just, and I'm just like, hey, I'm Randy and I'm, you know, divorced and, and I've been dating for the last four years or four or five years and I want to share that experience and talk about, you know, what it's like and and um and that video did pretty well like shockingly because i didn't have any followers or anything like that and then so they they started to like you know people started to take notice so i i, I made this video about you know here's the two biggest issues i've had with men and i never would have expected it to be and one was um being a successful um you know career woman i'm a vice president i um, have always worked in these very hyper masculine male dominated fields and I've excelled at that. And that has made men very uncomfortable when I date them and they find out, you know, I make more money than them or I have a higher job title or whatever it is that makes them feel, uh, you know, like they're not good enough. I don't even know. It's weird. And then the second issue is you're too sexy. Um, they love it at the beginning. Um, you know, they're very like, I love how sexy you are and I love your body type and all this stuff. But then when you start to date them, they're like, can you tone it down? Can you change, you know, how you present yourself? And it's like, no, I really can't. 
And it just, it, both of those things come down to this fragility in a lot of men, right? This fragile masculinity that is you know, just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate because I never would have thought in a million years that being successful and sexy would be the biggest deterrence for dating, um, you know, in this day and age. And, and it's the minute a guy like acts awkward or uncomfortable about those things, I'm like, and I'm out because it Red just flag. gets worse. Cause at the beginning yeah. I was like trying to, you know, kind of assuage their fears and like, you know, this is, you know, I'm just here for you. Like, it doesn't matter what I look like or dress like, like I'm not, you can trust me and it didn't matter. And so it would, it would get worse over time. Mm -hmm. So it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to date men who even bring it up. So the societal expectations and pressures on women are just like, it's astounding. And there, and the double standards and the the double binds and the double-edged swords, like, cause yeah, there, there are women who will say the opposite too, you know, like, oh, men don't want to date me because they think because I don't make very much money, I'm just going to use them for their money. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you say, well, I make my own money, men are like, well, I don't want a woman that makes her own money. It's just, there's no winning. <laughs> there's win. And yeah, we literally can't win. And so it's like, so a huge part of my message is Stop living your life for the approval of men. Stop making decisions that is a man going to like this? Because I lived my younger life like that. You know, I mean, growing up in the 80s and 90s, it was very much how to please a man and how to, mm -hmm. you know, how to dress for men and how to do this for men. And it's like, you know what? No, no, thank you. I'm, you know, how has, so how has your yeah. life changed or has it changed since you kind of became big on TikTok and started doing this more publicly? Yeah, no, it's definitely changed. Um, you know, I I share a lot of my healing journey on there as well. I'm very, I'm probably too open about things, um, but I just, I feel like, you know, why not? What is there to lose? Like helping somebody realize you're not alone in the way you, you know, move through the world or the way you experience something mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it is. So I just kind of put it out there and the thing that's changed the most is so my demographic on TikTok of followers is 92% female identifying or identify as women. And, you know, thankfully only 8% are men. And I'm like, why do you follow me? <laughs> Probably because I occasionally post pole dancing content, but, um, well, they I, might not always, they may not all, all be cis men either. So yes. And I do have some gay men that follow me, which I love, um, you know, but my content is so geared towards women. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are some men that hate follow me and I'm like, this is so weird. I don't understand the hate follow thing. Um, I only want to follow people that uplift me and yeah. bring joy into my life, not people that annoy me. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the biggest thing that's changed is women reach out to me all the time and tell them that my content changed their life or mm. made them break up with somebody that they didn't, you know, they, it made them realize, recognize red flags. Um, one of my most viral videos uh, was regarding complex PTSD and the different um, trauma responses and one in particular, which is something I've dealt with my whole life called the fawn response. Mm -hmm. um, I had just learned about it and I like dove headfirst into reading everything I could get my hands on. And so after I did that, I started sharing that and the number of women that were like, this is me. I, this is what I do. I've never, ever understood it. I never realized 
that, that this is what's going on with me. And it's, you know, you feel like there's something wrong with you um, until you can put words to what it is. And mm-hmm. so that's been huge. And every time I get banned on TikTok, um, it, because, you know, somebody reports my videos normally for bullying and harassment because I do laugh at the dumb things men say and that triggers them. <laughs> And so those are some of my favorite videos. Most, most like if you don't if you don't me. want that, don't say dumb things. Yeah, exactly. You don't want me to laugh. Play dumb games, get stupid rewards. <laughs> yeah, Margaret Atwood quote, right? It's like women are, are women's biggest fear is that men will kill them, and men's biggest fear is that women will laugh at them. And so I'm out yeah. laughing at them, and it makes them mad. Um, and and so I've I've had. Um, you know, women tell me that my clapback videos where I, you know, put a man in his place for one of the dumb things he says um, also helps them feel empowered to stand up for themselves as well, which was a surprising thing because I just I just do it because I tend to laugh in general as like a defense mechanism. And and I can't help but like think about, you know, the type of dude most likely sitting in his mom's basement mad at the world and like angrily typing out a message on TikTok to me and to me it, you know it's it's sad but funny and so uh i yeah the laughing has definitely my i never knew that my laugh would become so popular <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, I love those videos that you do. It's one of the things that drew me to following you. And, and I agree with the empowering aspect of it because like, so we're 90s kids, you know, born in the 70s, raised in the 90s. And I think for a lot of Gen Xers in our like decade, we're all, all the language that's being put around what's happening and being able to talk about it and being able to push back on it or being able to even identify, oh, I'm doing this because of that trauma response. Like all of this is relatively new for our generation. Yes. We did not have this kind of language or this kind of like involvement in discussion about this stuff when we were younger, especially in the kind of environments you and I grew up in. And so seeing you put to language and put it in a way that so, I mean, these are all, you know, for, for those who are new to TikTok, TikTok is a video platform of videos that are basically anywhere from seven to uh, typically 30 seconds. So you can go a little longer with some accounts. And so all of it is a very condensed way of communicating very like it loses nuance, but it gains the punch. Yeah. And you get to just like have that immediate impact with your words in a way that finally starts to give for a lot of us, I think, a script for what we were feeling when we hear those kinds of things, but maybe didn't know how to articulate and a script in a way that feels empowering. Cause you're like taking the power back by laughing. You're taking the power back by mocking it. And it deserves to be mocked. These people are coming into your house, so to speak, quote unquote, of, you know, your TikTok account, your TikTok content and mocking you or threatening you. I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of horrible comments. You mentioned earlier in the conversation is pole dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been very open and showing these beautiful videos of you looking so strong and powerful uh, on the pole. How did that start? How do you feel about being public with that? Like, what, what was that process for you? And how has it impacted or influenced your message with what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I, I often <laughs> tell people pole dancing saved my life and they laugh and think I'm joking. And I'm like, I'm not joking. And so um, I've always... Um, been into like fitness and movement. And so I was a dancer when I was young. I danced all the way up until I was in college. Um, 
and I got into the gym in my 20s and 30s and was, was you know, became a bit of a gym rat um, and it got really into weightlifting in my 30s, especially after my divorce. It was like my therapy. I had regular therapy and then I had gym therapy because I need to, I didn't know what somatic healing was and using body movement to heal yourself and heal your emotions. Um, I was doing it just kind of intuitively. Um, and, but when you're at the gym, you know, anger is very, is a great, like, or like even being really happy is like a great motivator. When you're sad, you don't really want to go lift weights. And so no, it's a lethargy um, emotion. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, but it was, it was a really great way for me to process when I was super pissed. <laughs> and, um, and so when the pandemic started and all the gyms closed, I was like, oh man. And so I like kind of saw the writing on the wall before everything closed. So I went and bought a few things to put in my basement, you know, just to be able to work out at home. And, um, I started, you know, the gyms closed and I was working out in my basement um, and I was like, I'm bored. Like, this is killing me. I, you know, it's the energy of the gym is one of the reasons I like the gym. And, uh, I didn't have that anymore. It was just me in the basement. And it's like, Ugh. and so I'm like, I need to do something else. And I had been following some pole dancers on Instagram and I've always just had this, I mean, dance is huge to me. And I've always just had this mm -hmm. massive appreciation um, for pole dancers, strippers, you know, whatever, however you wanted to like describe them. Cause there's different, you know, the people do pole dancing for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a pole and I started teaching myself by watching videos online and I fell in love with it. And it, it was like the most amazing thing. And it's the reason it's different than like going to the gym is because you can select music that suits how you feel and then you mm -hmm. can move to express how you feel so if i'm sad i find the saddest music possible and i go pole dance to this super sad music and i'm because i was like a ballerina and a jazz dancer when i was younger the pole stuff that i do is definitely more um like fluid and dance based mm -hmm. than like trick based but it requires so much mind-body connection that you can't be thinking about anything else. Like you can't, That's a really your good mind point. can't be wandering yeah. or you're going to fall on your head. And so it, <laughs> it forces you to stay present in your body. And, mm. and so, and it, it allows me to process these emotions, these huge emotions that I have sometimes in a way that gets them, moves them through my body and then out instead of trying to pretend like they're not there. And, um, so, and I just, I became obsessed with it. I have a very obsessive personality. I find something I like, and I tend to like dive in head first. Same. <laughs> and, yeah, and so I just, I started teaching myself. Um, I'm still teaching myself. I, you know, I haven't gone to take classes just because it's, um, it's hard to go from like doing whatever you want to being in a mm -hmm. more structured environment. So I've struggled with like, wanting to actually go share a poll with somebody it's like no i want my poll because sometimes if the class yeah. is full or whatever you have you might have to share i don't oh, want to share no so no <laughs> um, and it just allows me to do whatever i want to do right if i yeah. if i'm feeling a certain way i just want to go do it and so i started documenting this like teaching myself how to pole dance on instagram because i've been on instagram for a, a while and i started documenting that process there 
And so as I, you know, as I kind of created my TikTok, um, I would occasionally bring videos over because what I was trying to tell women um, is that, you know, and men, if they want to listen to that, this isn't that like, th yes, there's stigma associated with pole dancing. That's ridiculous. Um, it's an art form and whether you're doing it as a stripper for money or you're doing it for fitness or you're whatever you're reasoning, like it's a beautiful art form and mm -hmm. it's hard and it's an incredible yeah it looks hard it's so hard I'm like stunned i'm stunned when i watch you i just i'm i watch in awe and the fact that you self-taught through youtube videos is just astonishing to me truly astonishing where yeah, can people find your videos if they want to come connect with you or to see your content yeah so my my handle on both instagram and on tiktok is at feeling randy 78 um and that's so, R-A-N-D-I. R-A-N-D-I and feeling as in I feel. Um, it was the joke about that. My very first like email address was a feeling Randy email address because in the 90s, Austin Powers was like super popular. Feeling. And everyone <laughs> suddenly realized what Randy means um, like in Britain. <laughs> and so oh, gosh. the dudes that were like, are you feeling Randy? I'm like, oh. And so I just leaned into it. Well, thank you so much, Randy. What is, uh, as we wrap up here, what is the message that you hope uh, women are getting from your content or even men? Like, what do you hope people are hearing when they engage with you on TikTok and Instagram? And what are your plans moving forward? My biggest message for women is that you don't belong in a box. You don't have to be just one thing. You don't have to be a mom and you can't be sexy or you can't, you know, you can't pole dance and be a professional like you can be multifaceted and do all of these incredible things just for you and like embrace all the amazing things that are about you and do them for you. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking or, you know, judging you on. Just do the things that bring you joy. Um, men, you know, stop being terrified of strong, independent women. They're the women you actually should like gravitate towards. <laughs> Um, especially if you're like all always constantly concerned about women taking your money and all the weird other things that men are worried about. Um, a strong independent woman doesn't care about that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and you know, stop being afraid of that. Um, check your misogyny because it's there, whether you want to believe it or not. And for women, that's for men. Yeah, that's anyway. for, I was just going to say, that's a message for all of us. Cause I have to still Yes. growing up in, in I a still, religious. I still do. Yeah, I always That's have to check my privilege, my racism, my my misog my internalized misogyny. Like, as a white woman who was born yes. female and identifies as female, like I have a lot of inherent everything that yes, I have to inherent constantly right there. Yeah, absolutely, and constantly just checking in with your biases <clears throat> and and you know being open to other people's experiences and realizing that, you know, we all kind of move through life in different ways and, but respecting that there are people that are going to be different than you and have some are going to have things harder and some are going to have things easier. And, and, but we all have a place and a space and, and occupy it. It's okay to occupy it. I think a lot of women are told to shrink themselves both mm -hmm. actually physically and also, you know, emotionally. And so, don't be afraid to take up actual space. Thank you so much, Randy, for joining us on Wild Women. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of what you, you create online. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, Lux.
You've been listening to Wild Women. I'm Lux Karpovkin Raid, your host, and tonight we've spoken to three remarkable women who are changing things in their corner of the world. K.M. Robinson, an international best-selling author and social media influencer on the cutting edge of tomorrow's internet. Kimberly Graham, personal finance coach who's helping women own their financial independence. And Randy Shover, a woman who went viral on TikTok for speaking out against misogyny. Catch the next Wild Women September 30th at 7 p.m. We air the fifth Friday of the month when there's a fifth Friday. And if you missed any part of the show, you can listen back to our online archive at jukebox.kzyx.org or subscribe to our KZYX Public Affairs podcast. If you enjoyed the music in tonight's show, that instrumental is called Lux, and it was composed and produced by my husband, Dmitry Karpov-Kinraid, as a gift for me. You can find all of his music wherever you download music. Just search Karpov-Kinraid, K-A-R-P-O-V-K-I-N-R-A-D-E, or visit our website at readkk.com, that's R-E-A-D-K-K.com, to see our books, music, and more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.